Well, again, good morning. If you're visiting with us, uh, my name is David. I'm the lead pastor here at Apostles. And on behalf of our church family, we just want to welcome you. So glad that you're here uh, to worship with us today. Um, Today is is an exciting day. We're beginning a new sermon series as we kind of turn the corner into the fall. Um, If you've been kind of tracking and following along, you may be aware today was initially planned to be a a Vision Sunday. We were going to do kind of a three or four part vision series and uh, just as, as I was continuing to pray about that and, and seek the Lord in that, just felt like he was saying, wait, just wait. Um, and uh, still seeking some clarity about that. We continue to be a community following Jesus in Houston. We continue to be those who want to be with Jesus and become like him and do the kinds of things that he did. That is what he's called us into, and we're living into that. Uh, but I, I feel like just where we are in the life cycle of our young church, he wants to speak some fresh things into that. And so I just would ask for your prayer Uh, that you continue to pray for myself and for our leadership council just to hear from the Lord. Um, And so my hope is that within the next couple months, uh, the timing might be right for what God wants to say. But I just felt like, let's just wait on the Lord. Um, Sometimes my plans are not God's plans. So we're going to go with God's plans here. And uh, and so we're going to do a little bit of a a pivot. We're going to make an adjustment. We're going to do a new series, a different series that I'm calling God's Very Heart. Um, And here's the simple aim. What I want us to do over the next eight weeks together uh, through this series is I want us to consider God's heart and how it shapes and heals our hearts. God's heart and how it shapes and heals our heart. Um, And so what we're going to do over these coming weeks is we're going to be looking at what the Bible reveals about God's heart Um, And as we do that, uh, I'll be drawing on two resources. One is uh, a similar sermon series by a good friend of mine, a guy named Sam Ferguson, uh, preached through this. It was just a huge blessing to his church, and so he was gracious enough to to share some of his thoughts with with me. And so he and I are having a conversation, ongoing conversation, just about what God is speaking through this. And then also, I want to commend a really great book that came out about two years ago. Uh, This really ministered to me. It's called Gentle and Lowly. Uh, It's a book by Dane Ortland, and so just want to commend you. If you want to kind of take the next step or go deeper in your own kind of personal just um, study and and walk with the Lord, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland would be a great resource. So um, I want to do this also um, just, I feel like this is something that we need. I know I need this series um, uh, to draw near to the heart of God. I think we need it um, uh, because the past, man, I keep wanting to say year, but now it's been like, what, 20 months? I've lost count just since this whole mess began. And it's just been really hard on our hearts. It's just been really a hard season on our hearts. And so I know that's true for me. I know that's true for really all of us, I think. And so I want us to seek the Lord's heart and allow his great heart to really minister to and soften and heal our hearts. So that's, that's what we're going to aim for. A few weeks ago, I was reading uh, these words from St. Augustine, um, and they come from uh, his famous work, Confessions. And so I just want to begin by reading this to you. He says, I carried about me a cut and bleeding soul that could not bear to be carried by me, and where I could put it, I could not discover. Not in pleasant groves, not in games and singing, nor in the fragrant corners of a garden, not in the company of a dinner table, not in the delights of the bed, not even in my books and poetry. It floundered in a void and fell back upon me. I remained a haunted spot which gave me no rest from which I could escape. 
From where could my heart flee from my heart? So these words uh, and his confessions and his story of his spiritual journey, uh, you can see he's, he's shifting his focus, right, from the outside world uh, to what's within, to his heart. And it's not just for mere introspection, right? He, he's after something. And what is he after? He's after healing. He's after deep and abiding and transforming healing through an encounter with the Lord. He's reflecting, right, on his wounded and sinful heart and his desire to be healed by the very heart of God. And what Augustine was after is what we're after. Right? What we're after in this series is God's very heart. So that's, that's the simple prayer for us, is that we would actually come into contact with God's very heart, this journey uh, that we would go on this journey together over the next several weeks. And what I want to ask us to do as we're entering into this season, um, this series together, is to take inventory, right? To, to take some time, uh, maybe you can do this this week, just take stock of how your heart is doing. Um, again, it's just been a hard year for us. It's been a hard year on our heart. And I think the important question that we want to really consider is, how is my heart? And maybe even ask each other that question. You know, not in a trite, cliche way, not, hey, how's your heart? Like, but like, how is your heart? How are you really doing? The depths of who you are, deep down, that, that sensitive, hidden, passion-filled part of you. How are you doing in your soul, you might say? Are you feeling tired? Are you feeling anxious? Maybe you're feeling angry, hopeless, lonely. Perhaps your heart has gotten a little hard in some spots this year. Perhaps you feel a little apathetic, a little cold in some places. How is your heart? I love it, what Augustine said. Where can my heart flee from my heart? Your heart is always with you. It's wherever you go, and it affects everything you do, everything you do. You can be the smartest, the sharpest. You can know all the facts. You can be confident in your opinions. But if the heart that we carry into the world, into our relationships is hard and it's cold, we can do way more harm than good. On the other end of the spectrum, we can be super agreeable, right? We can be very accommodating um, with other folks to try to keep the peace in these times of conflict, but underneath that, maybe there's a heart of fear, right? There can be a heart that's timid and weary and leery of speaking the truth. And that's not good either. And so we need a heart, a heart that's, that's healed, that's softened. This past year has been hard on our hearts. So I want us to take some time to put our, our small hearts before God's great heart, our weary hearts before his tireless heart, our cold hearts before his warm heart, and cry out for his healing. As, uh, as I was thinking about this series, there's a picture from Scripture that I just want to give you. Maybe you just hold in the back of your head as we go through this series. And it's a picture, um, if you just want to jot it down, I'd love for you to read this yourself. But in 2 Kings chapter 4, Verse 34, uh, we, uh, we see the prophet Elisha, and he comes to heal uh, the son of a widow. 
Actually, he's died. And so she, he, she asks him to come. He comes, and what happens is remarkable. He lays his body on top of this son. And the scripture actually says his nose is to the boy's nose. His lips are to his lips. His heart, his chest is pressing in on this boy's chest. And it's the picture, right, of his warm, beating heart pressing against this cold, dead heart. And what happens is that God brings this boy back to life. That heart begins to beat again. And so that's what we're asking God to do for us. We are asking God to lay his heart upon our hearts so that when we cry out to him, he would breathe new life into our hearts. So if if that picture helps you, just maybe hold on to that image, that God's heart pressing in and laying down on your heart. So this morning, we're going to focus in uh, on really kind of this one primary question as we get started with the series. And the question is this, what is the heart? according to scripture. And that last piece is very important. According to the word of God, what is the heart? Because there's a lot of things people think and believe and say about the heart in our culture today. And we want to we want to focus on what does God say and what has God revealed about his heart. So that's where we're going to begin this morning. And I do want to encourage you to open up to Ezekiel chapter 36. Um, you can grab one of the black Bibles near you and open to Ezekiel chapter 36, really focusing in on verse 26. Uh, where God speaks over his unfaithful and exiled people, Israel. And this is what he said. We just read it. He says, I will give you a new heart. That's what God says. I will remove from you your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. So what I want to do is I want to look at this moment in the life of Israel, and I want to ask, what does it teach us um, about the heart? And I I want to suggest that it teaches us three things. There's three insights. And, And the first is this. The heart is central. The second is that the heart reveals about what the condition of the heart is, the heart's condition. And then third, uh, how the heart is healed. So we're going to look at the centrality of the heart, the heart's condition, and how the heart is healed. So first, just briefly some context. What's going on? It's always helpful when we dive into Scripture. What's the context for what we just read? Um, So we'll just pick it up and kind of begin to interpret it without knowing what's going on. So in 586 BC, the Babylonians invade Israel and they sack Jerusalem and they begin to take people out in different phases over time into exile in Babylon. And so through Ezekiel, this prophet, God is explaining to Israel what's happened. He's explaining, hey, this is what is unfolding uh, around you and in your life. So what is happening? What is unfolding? So Israel is being punished. That's what, that's what the, the, we discover here in Ezekiel is that Israel is being punished for their unfaithfulness to the Lord, for their sin. The Lord speaks in verse 26, you rely on the sword, you commit abominations, and each of you defiles his neighbor's wife. Shall you then possess the land? In other words, they have presumed upon God's goodness, and, and they've allowed uh, this kind of pervasive just indulgence of sin to take place. And so now they're reaping what they have sown. So that's, that's what's going on. But this is important because in the larger context of Ezekiel 36, what becomes crucial to see is God's heart in all of this. So even as these historical events are unfolding, what is God's heart? What is this showing us about God's heart? The most important question to ask here, at least one of them, is what is God's heart experiencing in this moment? What is God's heart towards 
Israel. How does he feel? In other words, as he's looking upon this rebellious people in exile. And what we discover in Ezekiel 36 is that God's heart, it burns for his glory and it burns with compassion and love for his people. He loves his people, not despite their sinfulness, but even because of it. In other words, this, their sin cannot void his love for them. Their sin cannot void his love for them. And I just want to say that because that's true for us as well. Each of us in this room, your sin, no matter what you have done, cannot void his love for you. Whatever consequences come because of your sin does not void his love for you. And so God will act to save his people no matter how far uh, they have wandered. And so what we have here is a foreshadowing of the gospel, really. This is a picture of what will be accomplished in Jesus. This is God's heart. God's saving love says to Israel, even though you rebel against me, you sin against me, you're a wayward and sinful people, I will give you a new heart. This is promised through Ezekiel. God is all about the heart is what we need to see. And that's our first insight. The heart here is central. The heart is central. So at first glance, this is important because at first glance, when you're looking at what's happening here with Israel, right, with, with Babylon conquering them, going to exile, you could make the conclusion, draw the conclusion that all their problems are really external, right? These things are happening around them and to them. Um, so what's happened? They've, they've been taken from their promised home. They've been conquered and oppressed by a foreign power. They face pressure to assimilate. Their families are being indoctrinated by this godless culture around them. The big problems, right, are, are all out there. They're all around them and happening to them. It's their circumstances. It's these powers that are over them. Now, it's important to, to acknowledge God promises to deal with all these external promises. These are real pro problems. He's going to deal with all these external problems. These are real problems. He, he talks about that in verse 22 through 24, both silencing the nations that oppress them, and then he promises to bring them home. So he's going to deal with the circumstances. And, and, and the temptation is then to think, well, once God does that, that should fix it. That should fix everything. No more godless culture kind of seeping in from the outside. No more of the stronger nation oppressing the weak. No more of these bad circumstances. That's going to fix things. If we can just take care of all the problems outside that are happening to us, we can, we'll be okay. And, and I think this is a temptation that we all face. We're all tempted to think this way. We may be tempted to think this way right now with things that are going on around us in our culture in this moment. We may be tempted to think if God would just fix this problem or that problem, then everything would, would be okay. It's tempting to think that way. The problem with thinking that way is that history proves otherwise. History shows us that that is not actually true. Israel itself, I mean, think about the story of Israel as it's revealed in the scriptures, they, they had been in their homeland. They had been in the promised land. They had been there knowing the freedom from oppressors. They, they had experienced the presence of God, access to him in the temple, God's word proclaimed over them, living in this godly culture. And what happened? Again and again and again, despite all external peace, they became corrupt. Why? Because the problems are not merely around them, but inside them inside. The 
problems are within, not just without. That's why God's redemption in verses 25 and 26, it says it reaches down into the depths of who they are, into their very hearts. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart. I will remove this heart of stone. What, what's he talking about? It's, it's, I was thinking about this. It's kind of like when a doctor comes in and gives you a really hard diagnosis. That's what God is. He's given them a very difficult diagnosis. Cancer or ALS or or clinical depression, something going on within you that is, that is killing you, destroying you. And if you or anyone you know has been through that experience, then you know that you could set the whole world outside that hospital room or outside your experience. You could set the whole world to rights and it wouldn't make a difference because of what's going on within you. And that's what God is saying. He's saying the problem is not fixing all the things out there. The problem is what's going on in here. We need to deal with this problem in your heart. So God says there's, uh, there's something wrong with our hearts. There's a brokenness is one way that we could describe it, one way the scripture describes it, that we are broken. What do we mean when we say that our hearts are broken? There's something wrong with our hearts. God says that there's brokenness around us, but this brokenness within us, there's a sickness inside us, there's a spiritual problem, a problem of the heart, and what, what God wants us to see is that this, this heart issue is essential to understand. It is critical to understand. You cannot fix the world unless you fix the heart. You cannot fix the world unless you fix the heart. The heart is central. But what is the heart? What is the heart? What does Scripture say the heart is? It's interesting. It's, it's common today uh, to relegate the heart uh, only to feelings. When you talk about the heart, a lot of people think about emotions, right? Maybe that's what you have been associating. As I've been saying heart, 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 you're thinking feelings, what I feel. You know, get in touch with my feelings, right? But that's not quite the way the Bible understands it when it talks about the heart. Rather, in the Bible, uh, thinking and feeling and the will all issue from this complex center of our person called the heart. It's all of that. The heart is, is the control center right, for the human life. And so we need to deal with these misunderstandings about what the heart is. There's a tendency to divide, for example, in our culture, uh, this idea of the heart and the mind, right? There's this idea that uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a tension between thinking and feeling, and you have to pick one or the other. Some people say, you know what, live life according to reason. The heart, don't trust it, right? You cannot trust your emotions. You need to think more clearly, right? Maybe, uh, maybe some of you feel that way. Some of you may feel, oh, no, this is, this is about, we need to follow our heart more. You know, we're letting our reason in our mind, we're, we're thinking, this is too intellectual. I, I need to feel it, you know? And so we, we kind of pit them against each other. The problem is the Bible doesn't make that division. It doesn't divide between thoughts and feelings. It doesn't compartmentalize thinking and feeling and will. It's more like a soup, right? It's more like a soup where our thinking and our feeling and our, and our will, all these things kind of flavor and affect each other. They're all kind of working together. It's all part of the heart. 
So just to highlight some examples in Scripture. So this is, this is what this, uh, this is how the Bible kind of explains this. So it, it says our thoughts issue from our heart. Right? Think about this. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. That's Matthew 5, 19. That's Jesus talking about thoughts coming from our heart. In, in Luke, Jesus says the good person we just read this, that out of the person, out of the good treasure of the heart, there's good that's produced. Right? So in other words, there's actions, how we live and how we behave. All those things come out of the heart. Desires issue from the heart. I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery. Where? In his heart. So all of these are issuing from the heart. And so it helps us kind of get our heads around what does the Bible mean when it's talking about the heart. It's the deepest part of a person. It's the deepest seat of our desires, our wants, our longings. It's where our, our opinions are formed and where we, we come to understanding and our convictions. All of that is wrapped up in the heart. So that's what the Bible teaches us about what the heart is. But what is the condition of the heart? So the heart is central, right? And that's what the heart is. But what is the condition of the heart according to Scripture? So this is number two, the condition of the heart. In verse 26... God says this, I will give you a new heart. And then he goes on to say, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Now, heart of stone is not self-evident, not a good thing. You do not want a heart of stone. Heart of stone, right? It, it, It means that your heart's become hard. It means your heart has become stubborn, even dead, in a sense. That's what we mean when we say stone, heart of stone. That's what God is pointing to. The Bible paints a picture of humanity where not just Israel, but all of humanity's hearts are like stone. Something has happened to our hearts, and they don't work the way they're supposed to work. They become hard. The Bible says our hearts are impure. They're defiled. They're darkened. They're hard. They're sick. There's just this litany of how the Bible describes this hardness, this stony heart that we have. But I want to highlight just two key ways in which our heart is actually hardened or, or stony, has become broken, as I was saying earlier. And the first is this. Our heart's brokenness conveys its sinfulness. So brokenness in terms of sinfulness. This captures kind of the wrong things we do and the wrong ways we are. Right? It's, it's, it's all of it. Notice in the passage that God speaks of cleansing Israel from all their uncleanness and cleansing them from their idols. Uncleanliness speaks of defilement. So what is defilement? It's like like if you poured a bunch of toxic chemicals into a pure river, just crystal clear water, you poured a bunch of toxic stuff in it. It defiles, it pollutes, it, it, it contaminates. And that's what happens to our hearts with images and words and experiences and thoughts. They don't just kind of remain in a corner, right? We don't have just these like kind of drawers that we put everything in, and keep it all neat and set. It get all that gets polluted by what we put into the heart. And the Bible says it makes us unclean. That's what happens. Now, idolatry, when, when, when God speaks of idolatry here through Ezekiel, he's speaking about, about something a little bit different. So rather than being things that come into our hearts, idols speak to what our hearts kind of reach out for. Right? What our, our hearts are longing for. Israel was to love God with their whole heart, but they wanted many things uh, besides. And so, uh, and so much so, they wanted those things more than God, more than him. Their hearts were divided. So 
it says that on Sabbath, they were raising their arms, raising their hands in worship, right? This just speaks to how, how much denial we can have, how duplicitous we can be. We can be praising God in one, in one moment and, and completely rebelling against him in another. And so the brokenness here speaks of both that, that sense of our sinfulness and, uh, and of our idolatry, but it also speaks of, uh, of frailty. I think this is an important piece. Our, our hearts are frail. <laughs> what I mean is our hearts can be weak and vulnerable. They, they can be weak and exposed to things like fear and trouble and anxiety and depressions. Derek and I were talking just a minute ago. Both our college football teams got whooped yesterday, and we are depressed. We are very depressed. Um, but you see this frailty, right? Things affect our hearts, right? And you see this in the Psalms over again. Psalm 73, 26, my heart, my flesh, they fail me. My heart has turned to wax. It melts within me, Psalm 22. And Jesus, in one of the most intimate moments in Scripture, when he's preparing his disciples for the crucifixion and his departure, he says tenderly, he says, listen, you're going to have trouble in the world. Do not let your hearts be troubled. He knows we're going to feel that. Our hearts are frail. The Bible doesn't only paint a picture of of being heartbroken because of lustful cravings and, and obstinate resistance to God. It also reminds us that we are finite, frail beings in a fallen world. It's all of that wrapped up in our brokenness. So this is the condition of our hearts, broken and sinful and frail, which means we're in a predicament because the heart is central on the one hand and deeply broken on the other. We can't live without it, and we can't live it, live with it in this state. So what can we do? Well, we need our hearts to be healed We need our hearts to be healed. And so that's the third insight, the healing of the heart. It's what God wants to do, through his heart to heal our heart. Now, there's a lot of ways that God can heal your heart. And it's an ongoing process. It doesn't just happen and then you're done. God can heal your heart through the knowing and understanding of his word, through prayer, through living in a community like this where we know each other and we love each other. We're intentional about walking with each other through the good things in life and the hard things. Therapies, recovery programs, counseling, all these things are good. Deliverance from strongholds, healing from deep wounds and past trauma. God can use all these things right, to bring healing. But here's, here's what I'm convinced of. I'm absolutely convinced that ultimately, ultimately, deep and lasting healing only comes through an encounter with God's very It's the only way you will ever experience full and complete and lasting healing is through God's heart. You and I will never experience deep and lasting healing through human determination or through willpower. Healing comes by crying out to him in our brokenness, confessing that our hearts are hard and that our faith is weak. It's admitting, God, I cannot fix myself. You come to that moment. You say that to the Lord. I cannot fix myself. Where can my broken heart go from my broken heart? 
What we need is a total heart transplant. We need a new heart. And that's what God is promising here. Jesus promised the same thing in different words. Nicodemus in John chapter 3, do you remember what he said? You must be born again. You must have a new heart. The beginning of the healing heart is faith in God's son. It is repentance of sin and light of God's holiness. It is putting all your trust and all your hope in Christ and what he's done for us on the cross and his promise to care for us in the present and for eternity. That's the most fundamental thing. It's it's a daily act. It's not just a one-time thing. It's a daily act of submitting and surrendering to God, of saying, God, I trust you and I choose to depend on you. It's the repeated act of opening your heart to his heart. But even having said all of that, I think we have to be so clear on this. Even having said all of that, even our faith is not the starting point. Our faith is not the starting point for that healing in our own heart. The healing of our hearts is God's initiative. That's why it takes an act of surrender to receive it. It's God's initiative. Just like Elisha came and he laid on the widow's son. God comes and he brings his heart to our heart. It's God's doing. It's God's presence. It's his heart coming to our heart. What does he say in Ezekiel? I will give you a new heart. What a promise. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. It's God that does it. Only God can do it. God says over our sinful and frail hearts, I will act, I will come, I will give, I will save, I will put my spirit, my very spirit within you. This is how healing ultimately works. It's the Holy Spirit coming within you. I mean, Jack talked about it last week. It's that picture of the door, Jesus at the door, opening the door, letting him come in, letting his spirit enter in. The spirit, Paul says, searches everything, even the depths of God. No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And so the Bible says that followers of Jesus, this spirit comes to dwell in you, the very spirit of God himself, Romans 8, 9. And what's the most important thing the spirit dwelling in us does? Paul, drawing so much on prophecies like Ezekiel 36, he says, God's love has been poured into our hearts. The infinite God, his love is actually poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Ezekiel tells us God will give us a new heart. God's spirit dwelling within us. And Romans tells us that that Holy Spirit is the person of God, that he brings the very love of God into our hearts. This is God's heart. His heart cry of love and mercy and compassion and tenderness and faithfulness being poured into our broken hearts. So this is, this is the good news, and this is where we're headed. We're going to press into this over the coming weeks. This is just an introduction, because my prayer is that over the next several weeks, as we look at the heart of God, 
that he would draw us to himself and that his Holy Spirit would be poured into our very hearts that we might experience the fullness of his healing in Jesus. Amen? Amen.